Welcome to the Wellness Lee podcast with your host Ella and today my friend is Jason Schultz. Jason is a well-accomplished Ironman and owner of the health food shop Food for Life. So shall we dive in? All right let's get started. So firstly who are you? Jason Schultz. Nice. <laughs> 57, 58 this year in August. Oh, yeah. nice. And so my favourite question to start off every pod is, what's your earliest memory of being fit? You know what? It's, it's, I don't know if I've actually got an earliest memory because I've always been very active. Yeah. So even as a, um, so when I was a young, till I was um, from three until I was 12, I lived in the country. Oh, cool. So we, we rode bikes, we we had no other nowhere to go. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're five kilometres from the city, yeah. the, the town. So that's what we did. So that, I suppose I don't not remember that. And then when I moved to Melbourne, that's where I'm originally from, um, at, I got a paper round. So I was up at four in the morning yeah. and delivering papers on my bike. Um, and I think I rode about 30 kilometres every morning. Oh, wow. Wasn't great for school. <laughs> Because I do remember as a kid actually falling asleep in class, oh. which was which wasn't excellent. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably in hindsight, I think that's something that I probably shouldn't have done. Yeah, but, um, but you fit while doing it. The fourteen dollars a week I got was a lot of money back then. Yeah, true. <laughs> Would you remember what you used to spend it on? Well, funny enough, I used to be. I was. A, I still am. I'm a big AFL um, supporter of Richmond. Okay. So I was actually in the Richmond cheer squad. Yeah. And I took out, I even took out the 1982 grand final banner. Oh, wow. Uh, I took out Kevin Bartlett's uh, 400th game. So that money was spent for me to go and watch the football. Oh, worth it. Uh, and watch the football on the Saturday with, with friends. Yeah. Yeah, in the okay. cheer squad. That's yeah. definitely worth the 30Ks. You know, my schooling wasn't great. So that, yeah. That didn't help so from end. all that cycling, how did that then go into triathlon? Well, I think I think it just sort of um, well, I, I met some people at the Richmond Footy Club, um, and then one of the friends um, that I met, James, and um, he had a friendship group from his from his high school, and they were all runners. Oh. So he used to do trail running and cross country, and he was very good at it. He still is. Yeah. And so we kind of met that way, and then he we met this other guy called Dave Gray, um, who I'm still great friends with. All these guys, and he was always a bit we're always a bit out there. So Dave and I. We'd always talk about triathlons, or he'd bring things up. We've done triathlons together. We've skied, heli skied in New Zealand. Oh. We've um, we've done um, we uh, parachuted at, at eighteen or nineteen years old. So yeah. we've just done so much of that sort of stuff. So we got into triathlon um, just purely as something different that no one else was doing. And and when we started back in nineteen eighty four, say nineteen eighty five, nineteen eighty five, when we first started, it was a pretty raw sort of. Um, uh, thing to do to the point even whereas back then triathletes and cyclists didn't like each other <laughs> they no, they actually hate i had i had cyclists yeah trying with their pump to stick it in my wheel as i was going past Jeez. as they were passing me and the reason they knew who we were was because triathletes wore colorful lycra yeah right. whereas the cyclists were black yeah. and white tops maybe blue so so we would definitely clear apart and they hated us being on their path. Oh. So it was it was not a great great life um, being a triathlete back then because we we were disliked. Yeah, of course. But we had the best fun. Yeah. Like we'd rock up in a, in my mate's car, four of us in the back of the car with the four bikes on the back, 
Brian Adams screaming out of the music, out, out of there as we rock, rocked up the transition. We just had the best fun, best time. We didn't know how to train. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. We had didn't know what fuel to take. <laughs> we would wait once every month. It would come the um, triathlete magazine where, we, where you'd see Scott on there and you'd, see, you'd read all the way through to try and understand how you do this thing. Yeah. You said, no idea. Yeah. Where so, were you? Um, did you get into any big races that time, or what kind of distance were you racing? So these were just small races to start with, um, and we just did the, did the, the Olympic distant ones. Yep. Uh, and did the trap route through there, and then Dave and I decided that um, it was time to step up, and we did the nineteen eighty eight Port. Uh, was it's now at Port Mac, but we did the um, Forster Ton Curry Ironman. Yeah, right. Um, in nineteen eighty eight, and yep. so we jumped in my Ford XD. <laughs> <laughs> and we drove all the way up. It took us 16 hours to drive up there. Oh, geez. And we trained. Like, yep. we, had we trained properly, where what I do now, I just look at it and go, how do I, why wasn't I doing that back then? Yeah, but and how much quicker how... I'd be. We keep saying we'd be so much quicker <laughs> if we knew what to do back then yeah, than we do now. Um, I still remember the day that Dave and I went out and we went out and we rode 120 kilometres on our bike. And then we got off the bike and then we ran 10 kilometres afterwards side by side. Mm. And we say side by side, it was competitive. Like <laughs> I was breathing down his neck and he was breathing down. We could hear each other breathing and wow. we were making comments. We'd get to the end of the end and he goes to me, gee, that felt all right. I feel really good. I might go home now. <laughs> Do you want something to eat, mate? No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm fine. No, I said, I feel the same. He went home. I have walked in the door and I have collapsed. <laughs> My mum has actually dragged me into the shower and just turned the cold water on. <laughs> and, you know, when I look at that and I go, oh, okay. Um, we didn't do that very well. Whereas now, training for Ironman now, my bread and butter on a Saturday five weeks out is 150 on the bike and a 14K run on a Saturday. Yeah. Easy, and it's hard work. Mm. And then get up the next morning, swim two and a half Ks and then run 30 on the Sunday. Yeah. And if I, had a, I couldn't have done that 30 years ago. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to do it. You didn't have the knowledge behind it. There was it. no knowledge. We yeah. never ate. Like we, we, would, mm. we would do all this with no food yeah. and, and a litre of water. Yeah. Like we had, there was nothing. We had no knowledge at all. So from racing back then to now, what have you learned and uh, how is it helping you? I think, I think the thing I've learned is nutrition is, is a big part of it and we, yeah. we didn't know that at all and we weren't told or had any, any idea. I think the other thing also is that we actually train harder. Yeah. And I think, I think that we didn't know that we could run 35 kilometres yeah, on, a, on a training day. We... We were kind of under the impression that, oh, you know, maybe look, if we can get to 20 kilometres in training, that's enough to do an Ironman in, which is what we did. Yeah, Where, right. Whereas now, or even we did one bike ride that got to us a 180k bike ride, mm. whereas now we're doing multiples and the runs off the bike are just intense. Yeah. And, and also heart rate and also – so that's another also another thing is heart rate. And, you know, I'm very big on and my coach talks about heart rate all the time. Yeah, and being able uh, to measure that as well. And measure it at 75% heart rate or 85% heart rate, wherever I'm sitting, that's where I need to be. Yep. Otherwise, if I go over that, I'm going to blow up. Yeah, uh, So I think just the lessons we've learned. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the age groupers, we call ourselves age groupers, <laughs> I think we've become more professional. Yes. So um, we, we sort of, whereas before we thought that we couldn't be professional. Yeah. Because we weren't professional. Right. Um, so I think that's what I've learned the What's most. What's the highest level you got to in racing, triathlon? As in speed, as in pace, or as in like uh, level of where you were finishing. Finishing well, actually, funny enough, um, now. Oh right. I'm actually so I so I, so I did the bustle from Ironman last year. Yep. Did a PB. Yep. Uh, four minute PB. Yeah. So nice. I was pretty happy with that, and um, ever since I so I started this back about four years ago, 
three or four years ago, and I've been winning my age groups oh, well um, a few times. So I've all coming second or first, second or third. Yep. So I've actually, that's probably been my best period has been the last two or three years. Yeah. Have you um, gone to Kona in the last couple of years of this? Can't. Kona's not, Kona's beyond me a little bit, I okay. think. So <laughs> I'd, I'd love to do Kona. I mean, I've done I've done four Ironmans now. I've got to do 12 to get a free entry. Okay. You're not too far um, off then. <laughs> my perfect race could get me there. Okay. Um, and as triathletes, we're always chasing for that perfect yeah, race. Yeah, of course. We... We're great at finding excuses. Yeah. If not, if it's not the wind, it's the tide. It's the wind. It's the <laughs> if it's not that, and it's like not the conditions, it's the mental capacity That's while right. racing. <laughs> Just wasn't feeling great today. <laughs> but no. So the, so the the plan is to keep doing these. Look, I'm I'm 58 this year. Uh, if I can if I can stay at them, and the doctor doesn't tell me to stop. Yeah. Which he hasn't. Which is yeah. great. Um, I'm hoping that in my 60s, I might be able to sort of get a better better chance at a slot. What is your dream, like, race conditions or location to get there? I think, <laughs> I think um, look, fast and flat's always the way. Yeah. Um, and Bustleton's got that. Uh, I did love the Melbourne course, but okay. that, that was in 2015, but they haven't been doing that for a few years, so yeah. we hope that bring that, they bring that back one day. Would you go... Would you like to get to Kona in the half or go the full that you've the been full. doing? I think yeah. the full's the only way. I, I, I just wouldn't. I don't really like half Ironmans that yeah. much. Yeah. Um. I, I just think the fulls are a fulls are good fun. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're a good. They are a good fun day. The hardest part about an Ironman is, um, the training. Okay. The the race day is a fun day, mm-hmm. and you're just pushing your body as hard as you can. Yeah. And. But it's only one training session. <laughs> that's right. One training session, and it really does come down to the last three hours. Yeah. So you should be able to get through. If you've done the training, the swim and the ride is bread and butter. Yeah. And then the first couple of hours in the run should feel comfortable and okay, and it's just that last two hour push. Yeah. To try and get to the end of the line. So your ideal training prep for a big race. How many like months out do you start? You obviously keep a base of fitness. Yep. Year round, but. Say you're leading up to like Busso in December, yeah. as is you did December 2023. Yeah. How many months did you start before pushing? It's, it it's about, it's, it's the last eight weeks. Okay. So you, I know when I say eight weeks, so from eight weeks, from eight weeks to back down to the third week, three weeks out, yep. if you looked at my Garmin, it always said, and my last seven days always said, you've swum the last seven days, you've swum 11 and a half, 12 kilometers. You've, you've ridden 240 kilometres and you've run 60. Yep. So that's what it says for eight weeks. Wow. So even so, obviously every day Nate takes one off and you put one on. Yep. Um, so that's the level of commitment. That's what that's where it really starts to kind of hurt and life takes over. Like yeah. you don't, you just eat, yep. sleep. Right. That's all you do. Oh, and in my case, work. <laughs> yeah. Work and that's all you do. Everything is that you finish work, you train, you eat, you sleep. Yeah. Into bed. I go to bed at nine. I'm up at six. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep. Similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's just what you have to do. And your base training throughout the rest of the year, what does that look like? So now uh, when you're not deeply racing, how deep, do you still deep, keep fit? Deep race. It's deep. So there's just be shorter stuff. Yeah. So I'd probably be looking at um, 5Ks a week swimming, um, 140 bike and maybe 30 run. Yeah. Nice. So, it's, so it's just a nice solid amount. That, that, that alters and changes. So like when we come into winter, um, it's harder to get out on the bike. So I, I'd probably switch and I like to do a marathon every year in the okay. middle of the year. Yep. So, um, which is your favorite location for that? So I, the moment, well, you know what, your favorite location is always the one you've had a PB at. Okay. Let's Fair face enough. it. Let's face it. I'm not a marathon runner. So, so, I, couldn't tell you so that. I did the, I did the Adelaide marathon I've done as a 339. Yeah. Nice. So that's my PB. And I did that. So my PB was, uh, two years ago. Is that so you can go to the next gen and jump in the ice bath straight this after? This is true. That's <laughs> true. Straight in the ice bath upstairs is yeah. the way to go because it, it definitely does the trick. I don't think that is cold enough though. 
Controversial I, topic. I'm, I'm in that ice bath every weekend and I don't think it's cold enough anymore. They used to have ice in there. They used to have an ice. <laughs> it's rock. come back. Right, okay. That's it's only recently we get the towel bucket, <laughs> right. empty the, the dirty towels yes. out, fill ice in it, then put we it put there. it in the ice nice. bath. There's about like a group of maybe four four of us who go in on a Saturday afternoon. Right. And we're like, get the ice in. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'll have to go give it a try now. So yeah, that's a that fun fact of what happens upstairs the next Yes, gen. that's good to know. Good to know. So from there, what's your next race? What are you training for next year or this year? So well, I've got a couple of long goals. I just um, the definitely I'm definitely doing going to want to do cans in twenty five. Yes. So that I call that the lock. Okay. So that's a lock. Yep. Um, I'm looking at the Victor Harbour race, the Victor one hundred in March. Yep. Uh, then after that, I might do Silver Sands, which is in February, because that's just a throw in, and then a marathon in August. Um, if everything's going really well and I'm having a really good year, mm-hmm. also this year again, okay. I do what I, I want to do. So that's the plan is to try and give that a crack. Um, I do have a, I do know a couple of guys are doing it this year as well. So it'd be nice to race with them. It's always yeah. nice to race with people you know as well. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so that was, so hopefully, but that's, we'll wait and see how that happens. With um, Busso and Cairns, how do you go with the heat training as well? A lot of the people who've been on the podcast have spoken about doing both those races yep. and just saying how much more effort they have to put into maybe jumping into an indoor pool with a wetsuit yeah. on or obviously saunering or they like the old trainer in the laundry I, trick. I, I fit into a very interesting category there. I, I'm a, a, a massive sweater. Okay. So I have sweat rates. So I've actually, my sweat rate is around about two and a half litres an hour. Okay. How are you testing that while training? Or? Well, so while training, so what we did was um, my coach said to me that I should, Nigel said that I should write down my weights before and after runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, also put in there the um, the temperature of the day and also what liquid you've had during during that period. Okay, yep. So some of my runs were in temperature where it's around about twenty degrees. Nice. Uh, on a twenty k run, I, I would lose. I was losing about three or four kilos um, from yeah, starting. Wow. And he, I so I put it in an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> and I emailed if you're, it to you're him. not a triathlete, if you don't have a spreadsheet <laughs> of either your times, yes. your training. <laughs> so that was facts. interesting. That was really interesting. So then he came back and said, boy, you're a sweater. So okay. so that means that for me, in an Ironman, I, I need to consume about 22 litres of liquid. How do you carry that? Well, I, well, I don't. Um, so the good thing is that with triathlon with bike, you I carry three bottles mm-hmm. um, on me, one, on, one on, my, on my cockpit, one and then two underneath and one on the back. Mm-hmm. One of them on the back has got my nutrition in there, which is hammer nutrition, which mm-hmm. I use as carbohydrate. Um, and then every 10 or 15 Ks, there's a water station where you can, you can throw your bottle out okay. and grab another one. Yeah, fair enough. So I do that. It's not so much for me that it's just the water. It's got, what's in the water is important. Yeah. So um, the thing is, I'm, you know, I, I'm not the greatest lover of it, but because it's what they have on course, you have to just get used to it. So yes. I drink the Gatorade. Yep. Um, so that's the one thing I have to have. So I swap over those bottles there. And then um, in the run... There's 22 stops okay. or 22 water stops because yep. every two kilometres. Mm-hmm. So every two kilometres I drink 200 mils of Gatorade, 200 mils of Coke, and I put ice down my top. Okay. So that's how I get my... Um, that keeps your mind off how hard the marathon really is though. It is very hard and it's that's what, it does keep your mind off it. The only challenge with it is because it's so many stops. I'm not a great uh, runner and drinker. Okay. So I kind of need to walk through it. Right. So I otherwise get all over myself. Yeah. So um, that's the sort of thing in Ironman where you start really getting into your times and wanting to get PBs gets harder because you probably can't go any faster. So you've got to find ways to be quicker through transitions. Yes. So that's how I find that. And just to say on that, that um, liquid I took in, 
never went to the toilet once for the whole day. Oh wow! So, so I so have... I do definitely I am definitely a heavy sweater. Okay. And it is the right amount. And then the post race as well. How much? Like, what are you doing post race to help your hydration there too? Um, look, to be if honest, to, the... to be well, to be honest, I when I finished, I um had some obviously water and. I didn't really feel like eating because Eat. I'd eaten that much carbs during the day. Okay, yeah. I had a glass of wine. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's not the <laughs> so, pub, what are you doing? And it didn't go down very well at <laughs> no? all. No, no, it, was, it wasn't very nice. So I just sat there. It was more with family because family and friends were there. So yeah. we just we had a bit of a drink afterwards and it was there for 20 minutes. And um, But I think the interesting thing about I mean, it's the, it's what you don't realise your body goes through. Yeah. So after that, after that Bustleton race, um, I stood up. And had to walk 400 metres to get my bike. Oh, no. <laughs> and I actually, I couldn't walk. My yeah. back seized up on me and I tried, had to have someone hold me up. And then what really was weird, I started chattering. My t- and it was warm outside. It was 24 degrees. Wow. My teeth just started chattering and I could not stop. Anyway, so I, I, got, I limped my way down and my sister-in-law, Monique, was holding me, walking down. And then I sat down and um, she went and got my bike. And then I came back and I got up and I was fine. Oh. It's really weird. So you just your body just weird. No, no idea. That's really no strange. Idea. I just went that before. in hypothermia and, mm. and just things of that nature. So then I was fine, and then I ate when I got home, and I was fine. But just because you're taking so much food in through mm. liquid based, you yeah. just didn't feel hungry. The next day was different. I was yeah. really hungry the next what's day. What's your like post race meal? Obviously, the next day if you're consuming it. But what's your like ideal meal after pushing something that hard? I I always <laughs> you know a chicken burger oh, yeah. goes down really well. Chicken yeah. bur- and chips. Hot chips. I'm a bit. I love my hot chips. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just a really nice way to get some carbs in. As as, a, as also like a celebration as well. Yeah. Yeah. And your um pre race meal is it like a good carb? No, loader? it is a great carb load. So I I um I for pre I man I ate all day. So I think I had nine pancakes, <laughs> nine, with half a pint of the strawberries and half a pint of raspberries on top. And yeah. Ice cream. So, um, that's that was breakfast. Yeah. And then I just keep going. So I I, I consumed um. I think it was about eight hundred grams of carbohydrates for the for the day before. Yeah. So I had a plan again. It was a, a solid plan, mm. and what I drank and ate during the day and the day before was all set up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then what do you think about salt loading before a race as well to help that big, hydration? Big into salt. Yeah. Really, really big into salt. Um, and I said that's another reason why the Gatorade is a good option there, and the Hammond Nutrition is really, really good from that point of view. Yeah. I don't take too many gels, uh, for for Iron Man. But what I did this time was um, I was having a chat at Next Gen to Steve McKenna and he has that fuel belt. Yes. So You need a nerd belt. I got a nerd belt. So I bought a nerd belt. Good. So I got a nerd belt and I have so I had two water bot two bottles at the front of me on the nerd belt. Mm-hmm. He was really nice and he gave me another four bottles. Yeah. And I had them in my as my special needs bag. So in that I actually put it was 150 meals in each and I put a couple of drops. I've got we've got this stuff we sell at our shop, which is a um, a liquid um, liquid um, electrolyte. Mm-hmm. So you put three drops into a bottle, and then I also put a half a teaspoon of Celtic salt. Oh, you know what? My brother's been talking about this salt lately. Yeah. And yeah, I was like to him, I've never even heard about that. So Celtic it's just like, salt. It's a, and it's a really interesting salt because I find that some salts are very strong and right. very s- sodium based, mm-hmm. whereas this, it's almost a bit sweet. Okay. So when you drink it, you don't, it doesn't really taste like I was drinking a salty, a salty drink. Yeah. Um, so I, I found that because I also have cramping issues. Right. So that's also part of the reason why getting my salting. So when sometimes when I finish a race, you'll just look down my legs and you'll see salt 
just like I, I, I can lick the salt off off my calves. Yeah. So it's um it's quite interesting that um. I have the issue of like I get migraines after a race because I don't have any like my yeah. salt is so low. I so get that. Before I've never really heard anybody else have this problem. Yeah. And so, but a lot of people I've spoken to have said, yeah, you really need to salt load properly and intake while you're racing. Yeah, that's right. There's something. That. There is a there is a something you can have. You can actually have too much salt. And it can cause some issues as well. And it's got a name and I can't remember I think I've heard about that too. Yeah, yeah your body can always shut down. Yeah, and that's right. I, I, I do know someone that actually I think had that problem. Wow. Where they had too much salt. Yeah. So yeah. I was a bit mindful of that as well. So that just these things I have to be careful with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Try and get that Going back a little bit, where yeah. did you become a chef? <laughs> so I started my apprenticeship in, in Melbourne in 1982. Yep. Um, year 10. Oh, wow. I finished. I, I only did year 10. I just wasn't really... Liking school, probably sleeping too much from, you know. <laughs> yeah, all the train, all the riding your bike <laughs> around. Riding your bike around. But um, and I was just lucky enough to get a job and loved cooking. Just loved cooking. Cooked at home all the time. Yeah. So I started my apprenticeship there at a seafood restaurant and worked there for, I think, oh, I was about a year and a half. And then I moved to the, the World Trade Centre, which was in, in the Melbourne CBD, and it was a bit like a function centre. Yep. And then moved on to a place called the Australian Club, which the Australian Club was excellent for me because it was a... It was a a gentleman's club mm-hmm. for the rich, rich and wealthy, but it was mainly day shifts oh, and not many okay. weekends. So I was allowed. That's why I got. That's why I started getting into triathlons. Right. So it allowed me to do where the other jobs were nights and made it quite difficult. Yeah. Um. So I did. Th- I did that until I qualified, and then uh, I worked at a uh, one hat restaurant in St Kilda for, uh, called the Willows, and that was quite a nice little place to work at. I was the third chef there. Yep. Um. And that was a good experience. Then I took two years. I just didn't. I did something completely different. I had a business. And we, my friend of mine, we bought a business selling fruit and veg. Okay. So we used to go to the market. Yep. And we had about 40 different restaurants we supplied. Get up at three in the morning, go down by the fruit and veg and then deliver it to Did them. Did you ride your bike there too? No. <laughs> well, that's funny. That's, that's where I kind of stopped riding. And this, oh. that's where it all kind of went a bit haywire because mm-hmm. the business just was four in the morning. Yeah. And I was cooked by four in the afternoon. Of so course, yeah. I did that. And then, um, and then got out of that after a couple of years and went back to Lynch's, which is a, a restaurant in there as well, Melbourne. Um, and again, no training. Occasionally, I think occasionally, I was in a bit of a bad spot. Like you, I was working eighty hours a week. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is is go for a run at the end of the day. Of course, so once you've been setting up all day as well. Oh, it was, and there were long shifts. Like when I say eighty hours, there was eighty hours of working, and then there was a three hour break in the middle of the day that I was just right. fell asleep. So that wasn't great. Um, and then I met my wife. So she's from Adelaide, and met Suzanne, and I moved over here to over here and worked at a restaurant called the Mecca Bar, which was in Rundle Street. Yep. Did that for about 18 – no, it didn't last 18 months there. I think it lasted <laughs> nine months. I don't know why. I know why. Yeah, right. So I remember coming in winter, the owner comes in and goes right to the kitchen hand, which over here they call them dish pigs, which I <laughs> never understood why you would call a kitchen hand dish pig, but they call them dish pigs over here. And, yeah. they, were, and they were happy to call themselves dish pigs, yeah. which was really strange. They like to call people pigs in their I know. <laughs> what, what, talk yourself up a little bit. And he said, look, okay, it's really quiet now, so I'm going to send the kitchen hand home, or the dish pig, he said. And I said, okay, but who's going to clean the kitchen? He said, you guys will. And I've just gone, sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking, I've, I'm not a snob, but mm. I'm working here 80 hours a week, and then you want me to clean the kitchen afterwards and wash all the dishes. Yeah. And I went, right. So I said to someone, where can I go where I don't have to wash dishes? And they said, hotels. Okay. So I thought, okay. So anyway, so I applied for a job at the Stanford Grand. Mm-hmm. And um, they gave me a job as the chef to party down there, which is like a, one of the levels yep. in banqueting. And then about two months later, I became the sous chef in banqueting. And then two years after that, I was the executive chef. 
Oh, right. So I ran um, the hotel for 10 years. Yeah. So I was, at the, I was with Stanford for 10 years. I ran the hotels for three years. I ran both the Stanford Grand and Stanford Plaza. Yes. So I had um, 200 staff that reported to me. Wow. And I just floated between both hotels. And that was it was a highly stressful job. Yeah. Um, Christmas Day, it, just think every, every time you're having fun, I was working. Yeah. So that kind of got a bit much. Did you meet a lot of people out of that? Like, as in, lots, rich and lots. famous? I, I cooked for Bill Clinton. Oh, really? Yeah, so um, so I got a phone call from our um, head office in, in Sydney, and they are have, having Bill Clinton come over into New Zealand and for the APEC conference. Yeah. And they needed someone to go over and cook for him um, because they'd had some challenges with their with their head chef. Yeah. And I said, look, I'm happy to do that, but I'm, and it was for three weeks, but my, my family needs to come. I yeah. said, my, my son was had just turned three, my daughter was one. Yeah, it's I said, this is not great. So we need to do something about this. So they said, yep, yeah, no, we'll do that. So we flew over oh, and I cooked for Bill Clinton, um, met, him, met him as well. Yep. And um, I still remember the funny story with I cooked for a lady called Mal- Madeline Albright, I think her name was. Yeah. And what I had to do was to lock myself in a room and with a, self, with a kitchen. So I had to make a, a self kitchen up yep. that I could actually cook for three people. Okay. And it was Madeline Albright. And it was some. It was a Russian delegate. Who right. it was, I don't know. Okay. And anyway, <laughs> I had to be in there two hours before they arrived, and I couldn't leave till an hour after they left. Yep. And once they were in there, I could not leave, even to go to the toilet. Oh. I was. It was. It was just there. Anyway, just as I'm about to start to serve the meal. This gentleman walks in with a gun, and he's got his. He's got his machine, and he was a obviously a Russian <laughs> military person, and he was standing there, and he's standing, there and he just looked at me. Didn't say hello. Did you work harder then or not? I just looked at him. Right? <laughs> it actually got to a point within after about half an hour, I thought to myself, no, this is not fun. So I thought, I'm going to make it fun. So I started talking to him. Yeah. And just started cracking jokes at him right? <laughs> and looking up at him and waving at him. What am I, what's he going to do? He's not going to shoot me because yeah. I'm, I'm cooking for him. Not, you know. Did you so, ask him if he wanted to try any of the food while you were there? No, <laughs> he, was not, he did not speak one word oh, okay. in the two hours. He said nothing. Wow. Just looked blankly straight at me. That's a lot of training going into that. <laughs> wow, I thought, wow. But yeah, so that's so I did that. Um, so going back to Bill Clinton, did he have like a recipe that he like wanted, or were you allowed to cook whatever you want? No, no, no. I think um, we could basically cook whatever we wanted. It's one of those, it's really strange because he was on on different floors, and there was always food going up, but you never really knew what was for him. Right. So and I just I just never felt comfortable. I just never felt they'd always come down and say the president would like X. Okay. And I think to myself, that's that's for you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I can't think. No, yeah. I don't know. But yeah. no, we got to meet him and um and did a couple of dinners for him as well. And yes, yeah, so I was 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 a really good. I actually didn't go outside the hotel for nine days. Wow. I didn't have any fresh air in my face for nine days. Oh God. So we, I was basically on twenty four hour. I get a phone call. Uh, Bill Clinton wants something. I have to go down and watch it being made. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. God, that's not like a good story to have, though. Yeah, it is a good story. Like that. It is a very good story. The funny part of the story was, I find the funniest part was, this hotel, the Stanford Hotel, had a massive um, patisserie kitchen, mm. and they could cook anything you wanted. Yeah. Anyway, so and one of the things with these sort of things is that there's not a lot of money in the room higher, so people wanted to have Bill Clinton stayed in, so he really he was getting it for free in all yeah. ways. So the general manager had given. Uh, everyone a task and said straight out, you are to charge them for everything. Mm-hmm. There's no freebies from now on. Fair the enough. room is free, yeah. but he gets charged full, full amount. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, 
he's he's what we call the president's chef. I always found it funny he had a big tag. I said president's executive chef, <laughs> and he had his suit on. He came there. He goes, oh, he had a nana's apple pie in his hand, right. frozen, frozen. No, and I've got. He's gone. He's given it to me. And he says, could you please heat this up as for the president? In my head, I'm going, that's not for the president. <laughs> but he, I said, no, we could have made you a fresh one. You just had to let us know. <laughs> and he goes, yes, but you would have charged me $40. <laughs> and he looked at the pack and he on the pack and he went, this is only costing me 20 oh. And I said, I said, yes, but I'm going to charge you 20 to heat it up. <laughs> so that's then gone back through all the thing. My general manager has come down screaming down the lift, right, walked up and he has high-fived me. <laughs> he said that was the funniest thing that's happened to me all day because <laughs> they've obviously complained that of I'd course. actually was disrespectful. Yeah. I wasn't being disrespectful. Well, you're being honest. You're not going to feed him a crappy fruit. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Anyway, funny. Anyway. So out of your chef career, what was like the most iconic or your favourite thing to make, no matter where you worked? Like, was there anything that you're like, oh, I really enjoyed making that? No. I, th- I think there was one dinner. I think there was one dinner that I got the opportunity to cook for the owner of Stanford. Yeah. Um, and that was, and it was his, one of his birth. it was one of his birthdays and there was like a, 20 people and there was no expense spared. And we just bought everything we can get our hands on. Mm-hmm. We bought truffles, $2,000 worth of truffles. Mm-hmm. We, we got, uh, I think it was $2,500 worth of, Continental shelf cray, uh, crabs, basically as big as a, a soccer ball, yeah, soccer ball, right. huge, and they were very. And I think with and I just looked at that and went, "What are we going to do with this?" Yeah. So we had all these things to make things with, and we just thought. So we actually made consomme and made clear soup out of it. Wow. So we used a two and a half thousand dollar crab, <laughs> and we made a clear consomme soup out of the bones, mm. and then just put some meat on top. And I went, okay. So we've just spent that, that soup for 10 people was $2,500. So I suppose as chefs, we kind of look at what we like to, what we like to um, think is the things we like to do all the time is when we do unusual things like that. Yeah. That, or you get the opportunity. Um, to kind of go unlimited without. To limited, that's right. Now, yeah. The one thing at hotels was that I was responsible for buying all the food product. So I actually had an open slot to buy anything that I wanted. So at the hotel, we had, um, we had 22 apprentices. Through the through the four year apprenticeship, and um, I was always big on finding things that they could not see if or, or that I think they should see before they're qualified. Yeah, and things like a truffle or a morel or a uh, or saffron, <laughs> things like that, they had to see and use it and taste it before they got. So I'd always be buying things in oh, and then getting smart. in trouble later from the purchasing guy because <laughs> I bought these things. So I think I think I got more more um, pleasure out of teaching. Okay. Than actually you know, cooking myself for myself. Mm. Have to ask now: Are you picky when you go out for dinner yourself, or when you go out for a meal? If I, I, I'm a person that if I'm sitting at forty thousand feet in the air, I assess what what I can. My expectation is lower, okay, because of what it is. Yep. If someone invites me to, to dinner and cooks me something, I'm never unhappy. Yeah. Because normally I'm the one cooking it. Okay. Um, but if I go to a fine dining restaurant, then the expectation changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From a service point of view, know yeah. what. Should be on the plate. What, how it should look and how it should feel. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably the only time. So I kind of I kind of graded it a little bit. Okay, I yeah. fair enough. So yeah. I'm actually very easy to cook for. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then the health food shop came along. Yeah. So the health food store was was interesting. So after I, um, I did cooking for a while, I jumped into and I was a sales manager for a company called Rubbermaid mm-hmm. that sold kitchen equipment. Oh, cool. And that sort of came to an end. And then I was like, what am I going to do next? And I thought to myself, I could either go down the path of 
I didn't want to go back into kitchens because mm-hmm. I not because I didn't want to be a cook or a chef. I just didn't want to work the nights. Yeah, um, and, the and I had young kids, and they were fifteen and eighteen. So I, I kind of I was kind of wanted to be around a bit, and um, so I needed something different to do. So then we looked around a few places. Then up came Foods for Life in the city, and it kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I said so I'd always had an active. I'd always done Ironmans. I'd done some marathons. It, this had a cafe attached to it as well. Um, so I thought I can do that part as well. So we both, my wife, wife just jumped in. Suzanne just jumped in and said, let's give this a go. And it's, it's been the best thing we've ever done. We've had it for 12 years now. Nice. Um, so give us a bit of a rundown where your shop is and where people can come and find you. So, yeah, so we're at 100 Gawler Place and the shop's been in the city for 50 years. We've wow. owned it for 12. Um, it's been in multiple lo- locations. Yep. We're between Peary and Grenfell Street. Yep. So it's that and a cafe. And... You know, we've got we've got health, healthy options. We've got a couple of non-healthy options. <laughs> we're, we're either super healthy yep. or we're dietary. Okay. So gluten-free, vegan. Um, we do some keto things as well. We make our own almond milk. Um, we've got all the different types of milks for coffees. Um, we've got a naturopath, naturopath on all the time. Cool. Um, we stock 3,500 uh, or products relating to that to that industry. Um, we have a room that you can actually um, have private consults from a naturopath point of view as well. Um, and look, the best thing for me, what it's been great for has been for my Ironman journey. And, yeah. my, and it's really taught me, I'm, I said, I'm not a big supplement taker. Yeah, neither am I. Like so, I take the odd magnesium when I'm yeah, sore or whatever. That's but... right. So magnesium, but not, not complete. So they've actually been able to teach me like things like that I should be taking. And that is like, Good one is sage tablets. Massive sweater. Okay. So taking sage tablets helps reduce sweat. Oh. So I found that, and I actually found that worked a little bit when I did when I did busso. Mm-hmm. Um, things like vitamin C, which when I, especially when I'm training near the end of an Ironman, on um, the training part, your body just gets completely knocked out, and yeah. immune tablets are very important. Probiotic. Yes. Um, that was the one thing because from a gut point of view, if you, if because of all the stuff we're putting in gels and sugars and all sort of gear, yeah. you need something to settle your, settle your gut down. So i found that that's been really, really great. great. Oh, nice. It's been a great fun business. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. That definitely goes well by the side of like your racing and everything. That's right, yes. And we, and we stock some magnesium stuff and we also stock also stock um, pickle juice oh, cool. and all those sort of gear. So we've got, we've got all those little, little things burping away as well. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Name a sliding door moment in your life that you've either turned left or right and it's kind of uh, a pivotal moment that's changed yeah, the way that you were yeah. going. Mm. So that, yeah, I, I actually wrote I actually wrote down here nothing. And then my wife reminded, Suzanne said to me, yeah. beautiful wife said to me, why don't you talk about um, your mum? I thought, okay, well, okay. that's going to be a tough one. So she passed away during COVID. Yes. And so I had an opportunity to go left or right. Yep. And... So my family are excellent, but we, we have an addictive nature. Okay. So that addictive nature can be anything from drinking alcohol to being gamers to being Iron Men. Yeah, I was just going to say, so you've so, taken it in the exercise. So I took, I took the other path. Yes. So the path was, because I'm the oldest out of my three other brothers and sisters, sister, yep. um, that uh, I kind of felt, and I couldn't be, they live in Melbourne, so I couldn't even go to Melbourne for the funeral. Yes. Sorry. Yep. So I took that path. To get into Ironman again, and so it was actually in that August time is when it kind of really hit, and I I lost eight kilos wow. in four weeks. 
Yeah. And I weighed myself every day and I put it in my Garmin phone. And that's how I knew. And I didn't lose it from silly diet. No. Um, I, I, I had a chat with my coach about, about he's always telling me I need to lose weight. Yep. And so I, I trained hard. Mm-hmm. Saturday mornings was pouring with rain and everyone saying, I'm not riding. Oh, I'm out there yeah. riding and doing 120K rides. Yeah. But what I did was I just looked at my diet and I ate, took dessert out completely and reduced my protein down a little bit. Okay. And increased my vegetables. Everybody says go increase your protein though. You know what? When I was in kitchens, we used to always work on 180 grams of protein for a function. Okay. Well, that, that was the size you would – when you're allocating meat or yes. chicken, it would be 180 grams. Yep. So now if you go to the supermarket, you can't buy a chicken that size. Yeah. They're all really big. Mm. So I reduced my chicken down to 150 grams portion size. Okay. 140 grams. A few more carbohydrates. Did you do that based off a percentage of your body weight like Not, a lot of people talk no, about? No, you just, just, by just, look. just by look. Yep. And then the other thing I did also was um, I cooked my green vegetables less so I chewed more. Okay. So made them more crunchy, which is, again, it's not a problem. Yeah. They're more nutritious anyway. Mm-hmm. And doing it that way, it meant that I worked my my saliva and my mouth was working. So it actually made me feel hungry. Wow. And then every felt time I felt hungry, have a cup of tea. Okay. Have you got a tea that you love? Peppermint. <laughs> I'm a bit of a pepper- I have a peppermint in the morning yep. uh, and I have a peppermint um, at night before I go to bed. And in terms of, were you like t- having coffee and everything as well? Did you I did. I, I'm a bit of, I still have my two coffees a day, yep. a day always. Uh, I always I always have a toasted cheese and kimchi sandwich for breakfast. Yeah, all the time. Do you Love stock these in the shop? I do well. stock the kimchi. Kimchi, <laughs> so it's quite nice actually from gut feeling. So that's and that and again having the kimchi is good for your gut health. Yeah. So there's all sort of fits in, um, and then I have a I have a salad for lunch. Yeah. So that that's general my general diet, but that's how I lost the weight was purely just man- managing it. But also I took away red meat as well because okay. I find I find red meat. Doesn't digest. Honestly, I could live without red meat. It's not something yep. that I'd run and jump for if I didn't have to have it. No, I think it's. I think it's an occasion for me now. It's an occasional. Yeah, food. I'd honestly rather eat like salmon or, like you said, a bit of yeah, chicken or absolutely. But even then, yeah, chicken chops. Oh, so I'm a big chicken chop fan. Yeah, right. So which is the which is the basically the thigh with the bone in, mm-hmm. and when you're cooking with that instead of um when it's got the bone in, it's more flavour. Right, rather yeah. than the chicken breast. And portion size too. So it yep. keeps the portion size right as well. Yeah. So it's a good way to sort of keep your portion size up, flavour in there. Lots of herbs. Yes. Of herb How's your herb cabinet look? Like is it stocked? It's pretty good actually. So um, <laughs> so one of the things at home was I every time we plant something at home, or had I, I had a belief that it had to have some form of value to the house okay, and to my kitchen. So I planted out the front, I planted rosemary, which mm-hmm. I think everyone should have rosemary somewhere. Yeah. Um, so that gets used a lot. So in our backyard, we've got, and it's not a big backyard, but we've got, I've got a mandarin tree, I've got a pink lady apple tree, I've got a lemon tree, nectarine tree, blood orange, which is not growing very well. Um, <laughs> I've got uh, quince, which is going really well, pomegranate, olives, uh, raspberries, passion fruit. Can I see about any more? There's one more. Oh, um, there's another fruit called Cape York Berry. Okay. Which is a really different little berry. It's like a little casing and it's got a berry inside. I have to go back to the olives. Which kind of olives do you have? We used to have an olive farm. Right. And like the ones, the olives that you make oil out of. So, yeah, so this. I literally grew up on that. So it's a Kalamata olive. Yeah. And it's probably, they're probably, um, they come out probably about 10 centimetres large. Yeah, yeah, nice. So the story there is that Harry, I used to with this gentleman, Harry, at Stanford, at Stanford Plaza. Mm-hmm. 
and he lives down McLaren Vale way and he used to bring his olives in all the time. I said, Harry, I love your olives. Yeah. So he actually went and got a wild olive tree and he grafted his tree onto this and I've planted it in my backyard. Oh, so, so now it's good. huge. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah, so I, so I do like olives. Nice. Yes. So what's the importance through your Ironman journey or through your life of being fit, showing your kids like the importance of that? One thing with that, with, I think it's important as, as parents that we lead an active life. Yeah. Um, and how active that is doesn't need to be Ironman. It doesn't need to be, but set some boundaries in place and just little things you can do yeah. to try and put some positive actions in there as well. So you look at uh, my son Mitchell, he's 27, and... He's a massive gamer. Yep. But tennis. Okay. He played tennis from when he was younger, from when he was four or five years old, and mm-hmm. he still plays tennis um, winter and summer, and he's just been getting into golf lately. Oh, how so good. it's his way to get out and do things. Yep. So I think the where you said to him straight out, would you ever do an Ironman? He just go, you're an idiot. <laughs> he, he laughs at the stuff I do. He goes, but I'm do you not think doing that. because he's seen you do that, though? I think he looks at it and goes, there's no way I'm doing that. That's just a waste <laughs> of my time. It's just too much effort. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a really that's good from that point. And then my daughter, she's a professional dancer. Right. Um, and lives in Melbourne and massive gym junkie. So she's right into that sort of stuff as well. So that's also yeah. from the positive things that we've seen from myself. Yeah. Um, my wife Suzanne, who you know, excellent mother, done, did everything for the kids as mothers do, and they're younger and didn't didn't want to give herself up to do things. Well, just re- she just started doing F forty five three or four times a week. Jumps in, does the Jodie Lee trek. Yeah. Uh, which is a, I don't know how they do it, 32K walk on day one and then a 35 on the next day. I think they're in Kaipo this year. So that's oh, the cool. weekend that I'm not allowed to do anything. I am I am support crew. <laughs> well, don't you think she's been support crew for but That's right. Races? I have to do it. I can't even not lock it out. Like I had someone the other week ask me to do a function for them for their 40th birthday. Yeah. And I went, okay, I can do it. And then I looked and went, oops, no, I can't. I said, mate, I can't do it. He goes, why? I said, because. I got power rate to hold. <laughs> I said, and I said, no. Well, I did not do it once. I had a function at we were catering at Cameron Noble. I couldn't do it that one day, but this was a friend, so I said, "No, you have to move your date, mate." Yeah, that's so, fair. So I think it's in, I think it's important in parents that we do keep them active, and I think one of the biggest challenges we've got in society is Uber Eats. Yeah, I think it's a real problem. I think that we we like fail to go on demand food. Kind we, of thing. Yep, we feel like we don't walk around to pick up the food anymore. Mm. Um, we don't go to look in the cupboard. And yeah, I'm the complete opposite, right? Ever since, I don't think I've ever been a fan of Uber Eats because I'd rather go and look in the cupboard and be like, oh, what ingredients yes, well, have right, I yeah. got? And yeah. I'll put them together. That's right. That's right. Absolutely it's so right. much more interesting. Yeah. Way more interesting, but they're, they're just, they're, it's a real problem because they're not walking around the shop and getting it or they're not being adventurous. Yeah. It's, and it's also too easy to have the wrong foods as well. Yeah, true. You, I don't know many people that buy healthy food on Uber Eats. Yeah. Don't see many. Who, uh, we, we actually do Uber Eats at our shop. Yep. Uh, no, uh, one of them, can't remember which one we do. We get two orders a year. Right. Because no one wants to buy healthy stuff on Uber Eats. It doesn't yeah. work. So that's that's the thing. That's the key takeaway, I think, is that um, we so just need like to... Like that on-demand service has kind of ruined the healthy eating. Plus, plus also, the money's not going to... is going to America in right, some cases yeah. because 30% of the value is paid to them. Yeah, right. So go around and pay for cash. Mm. You know, do it that way. Give it straight to the person here and not let it go away. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, talking about that, are you like a big farmer's market kind of shopper or? A little bit. Can, can be a little bit. I think because we're our shop, we have a fruit and veg supplier. Okay. So I don't need to go yeah, and do that sort of stuff. <laughs> We've got, I've got it pretty much there and I can just ring up or place an order and something we need Yeah. Um, and do it that way. So not really as much as, as I used to be. Yeah. Yeah, not really much. Fair enough. <laughs>
So what are you consuming at the moment, as in podcasts? Well, before we started this podcast, we didn't know where to find them. So <laughs> TV shows and books then. <laughs> well, I, I, you know what? I have had no time yep. to really look at any of that sort of stuff. I just I put music in I, when I run and I ride. What's your like, go-to listen while you ride? And... Oh, I think it's um, it, it's always Aussie classics. Okay. I think it's, it's all beat stuff. Something's <laughs> got a bit of a beat in it. Yeah. ACDC, mm. all those sort of guys. It just, it just, and it just goes on a reel. Yeah. Sometimes I actually get a little bit um, carried away, and I might go, might have, might have seen something on, on the TV, and gone. Oh, I might look at that. And I think I did Wham the other other month when I was yeah. doing a thirty k run. I did Wham's Greatest Hits on repeat <laughs> for three and a half hours. That was funny. Do you get singing too? While I would say I do sing a little bit every now and then. So yeah, I'm not great at singing, so you don't want to hear that. Let's <laughs> keep that to your running That's then. Right, yes, to running. <laughs> How good. And on social media, what do you see a lot of? When you're scrolling, if you um, get time so, to. Scroll, scrolling is, is lots, lots of cooking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I follow all the Steve McKenna's and all the Trifley guys and yep. um, and then lots of cooking channels and How do you restaurants. go watching shows like uh, MasterChef or like a Top Chef with uh, Gordon Ramsay? I don't, or... I don't mind MasterChef. I think MasterChef, MasterChef's been gr- a great thing to promote the industry. Yeah. I think only, the only challenge is that sometimes those winners win it. And then go and work in the kitchen and realise that's actually really hard. Yeah. And the hours are really, really long. Mm. Um, the sk- and the skill level, I look at some of that skill level, I don't think I could do some of that stuff. Really? So it's very, very interesting. But mind you, they're cooking for one and two people. True. It's a very big difference cooking for, cooking for more than one. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So a couple of the cooking shows, you don't mind. <laughs> no. Is there anything else you want to add? Um, the only last thing, well, I think it's really important to understand that doing these Ironmans and training thing, it's... Your support network is so important. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that. I reckon it's, a few people that I've interviewed now, like on this podcast, is that's they've always come back to that topic of just, that like support Su- around you. Suzanne is just there. My wife Suzanne, she's there every single time. She's always bashing away in the background. Yep. When I'm limping around, she's telling me to stop limp. Stop <laughs> up your whinging. Yeah. Just get it done. You know, all this sort of gear. So that that's been excellent. And it's also your friendship group as well. That people and the other thing is also a lot of my friends that we socialise with don't do this yeah right so they think i'm mad <laughs> right, so they they just don't un- they they they're involved yeah but they don't understand why i do it i get that a lot at work they're like oh have you been through like another 2k swim this yeah, morning right. before that's you right. got here yeah all the time and then the other ones are just like oh, i just rolled out of bed and came to work i was like you have so much time in the morning yes. to get something done or after work like how are you wasting it well i find that what i do when i'm in that last eight weeks where i just really just don't see anyone. Mm. I, I find that I I post a lot more on Instagram. Just okay. my my what I've done for the day. Just yep. just the Garmin piece. <clears throat> I think the reason for that is is I just want to let people know that I'm here. And the reason I haven't life. seen you is because of this is the reason why. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and it's not a show off thing at all. It's just more to because I just feel I, agree, I do feel yeah. guilty. I do feel guilty that I say, "Hey, come around to our house," and I'm like, "Yeah, I can't." Mm. Or or we, or we leave early. Yeah, well, that's a good excuse to leave early though. Yeah, true. <laughs> I wouldn't be complaining about that no. one. And in terms of training with the Lakers group, how important do you think that is to get into a group to train with? You know what? I, I So I've been with the Lakers for six years now, and I started off just doing running with them yep. on Tuesday nights when someone, um, Adam, friend of mine, Adam, suggested I go have a crack at them and never trained with anyone my whole career. Right. So so never did any training at all. So even all the other Ironmans I'd done and living in Melbourne, always trained by myself. Always wrote my own schedules. Never had any form of um, interaction with people and coaching. Yep. So it's been excellent. I mean, I, 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 um, I don't do all the sessions with them. 
but but I do as many as I feel yeah. comfortable do. Do you know Amanda and Tim as well? I do Amanda and Tim, yes, I do yeah, know Amanda and Tim. Yeah, they're going to be on the podcast in two episodes oh, time. Oh, right. So you, you might have to leave them a question to ask well, as well. Well, might have to actually, yes, because they're, <laughs> they're, 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 they're a good bunch of characters, those yeah. two. How good. Yeah. Let's get on to some listener questions. A couple right. of people have sent you in some fun two. ones. How many? A couple. No, we've right. got five questions. Five questions. We've got okay. five, yeah. have got five friends. <laughs> the first one is, who's your favourite sibling? Or sister. <laughs> oh, so that's my sister Megan, obviously. Yeah. Well, we've only got one sister, so it's pretty easy. Yeah, well, we'll say sibling then. <laughs> we'll say, oh, sibling. Oh, we'll just say Megan. I'll just say because she obviously put it in, so yes. I, you know, make her feel good. She did. Does your knowledge as a chef help with your training and also having the health food shop help with it? Definitely, 100%. It, it's not knowing, knowing how to cook things, what to cook, and I said before, like cooking vegetables less. Yep. I know what veg, like I wouldn't. Cook sweet potato less because your crunch is not great. <laughs> um, but to have a, have broccoli cooked less or broccolini definitely a hundred percent makes an effort. Um, and I find one of the things that's actually given me is some really strong mental toughness as well, which I know is different to cooking because like we're doing eighty hours a week, we're standing on our feet all day. Yeah, um, but it's a skill to have, especially with Iron Man. Like it's pretty much the same. You're out there for the same amount of time as right. what you were as a chef. 12 hour days are not a problem for me. It's just another shift. That's right. And that's, and that's the thing. It, it has set me up. Yeah. Um, for just being able to stand on my feet all day is something I can actually do quite easy. I mean, these days when I do 12 hour shifts uh, for a catering job, I'm, I'm pretty much cooked at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> not like an IMM. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's part of your training, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the next one is how do you fuel for training versus uh, training for uh, fuel for a race? This is one of your teammates. Also known as Millie, sent this in. Oh, Millie. So how do I fuel for a race? Yeah, versus how do you fuel for just your training? So it def- definitely is different because, um, again, I'm trying to manage my weight as well. So when it's when I'm training, it's I'm very up and down. So so Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are swims, and Tuesday and Thursdays are generally a bike and run. And so all of your swims done at Next Gen, or do you do any all, outdoor? All, all, uh, maybe one of them might be at a, at a pool down, down at West Lakes. Yes. So generally on those Monday, Wednesday, Friday, my fueling is generally lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but whereas on the Tuesday mornings and the Thursday mornings, I load really heavily up for the afternoon. Okay. So yeah. I, so and I'd say double. Right. Double. So I find that swimming doesn't take doesn't otherwise if I don't do that, I tend to struggle in the run on the Tuesday and Thursday at the end. How do you and I ran find... out of fuel. Like getting really hungry after your swims. How do you kind of? What's your solution don't, to don't that? Chips, hot chips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hot chippies are always the hot, answer. Hot, hot chips is always the way to go. Or if I'm on, uh, or if I'm on Fridays, I have a bit of a thing. I always do. Um, so I go for a swim on Fridays. I have a large bowl of hot chips at the next gen. Yeah. And a small glass of wine. Yeah. And I sit there and I just read my Instagram pages and just, just read stuff. And is that when Mark Aston walks past? That's when Mark Aston would normally walk <laughs> so past. So quickly, funny story and how we got to know each other. We were in the sauna at next gen right. after I'd done a swim. I think you'd done a big That's swim right. too. That's right. Yeah. And I never go in that sauna. It just happened to be that yeah. I was like, all right, I just want to jump in there for twenty minutes. And he goes to me, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm like an interior architect, have a podcast. And then you walk in, he goes, what do you do? You're like, I'm an, I'm an Iron Man and have a health food shop. He's like, you two podcast together. <laughs> That's what we need to do. And it worked. It was so good. Yeah. That's been great. <laughs> Got a guest and all I needed to do was walk in the sauna. That's, right. That's what you need to do. Hey, so, find people. <laughs> all right, next question. What's your favourite ingredient in your cupboard or spice cabinet? Oh, right. 
What's something that you cook with a lot? A lot. Or... Rosemary. Okay. I think rosemary. So everybody my... needs to go to their garden centre and oh, buy I a just plant. Thought, rosemary and herbs are, yeah. are big for me. So I just find that whatever you add, whatever you're cooking, whether it's a piece of fish, whether it's chicken or it's meat, if you can actually throw some rosemary or a herb or thyme or mm-hmm. oregano or sage, because yep. they've got all those three as well, or I just throw that in the pan when I'm cooking it. Yeah, it changes the flavour. Yeah. So I find I think herbs are my big thing. Um, I mean, I could say other, there's a lot of other things, but that's, I think that's the main ones. Main is it's what it's not the protein that it's important. It's what you're adding to it to give it flavour. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I've been trying to tell my mum. So they've just moved into a new house. We're like, yeah. she got a great kitchen now, and now she started to cook more. And I'm like, mum, the secret ingredient is the herbs. Like, yes. it can just make or break a meal. And now yes. she's got on the wagon. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. That's all so we need. It's... Herbs is the key. Okay, you and you can... don't need to buy them either. I think it's important to. They grow really quickly. And grow them, yeah. Um, and I always say, there's probably even around your house, there'd be someone's got rosemary. Yeah, right. There has to be someone, and you, don't, you should never have to buy it. I'm going to go, plant one now. Just go for a walk, <laughs> and you just go for a walk around, you'll find someone, you just rip it off theirs. Yeah, all right, okay, that might. Yeah. If not, I'm going to buy one and put one, one in the back garden. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you could cook a meal with only three ingredients, any three ingredients, what are you making? <laughs> are you bringing the caviar back? <laughs> no, not caviar. Three ingredients. All right, okay. <laughs> okay. I thought five would Ris- be too many. Risotto, uh, yep. Borio rice, mm-hmm. chicken stock, parmesan cheese. Oh, that's a I like one. risotto. I do yeah. like risotto. It's one yeah, of my favorite. No, and then you can add so many things to it on top of that if you wanted to go to six or eight ingredients. Yeah. But just those three ingredients, you could get away with making a nice meal. risotto. Yeah. Yep. What's your like quick meal when you like don't want to make like cook for too long? What's your quick thing that you'll put together? It's generally pasta. Yeah. Maybe just maybe just tomato based pasta. Yep. Is, is probably the, is probably the quickest. Yeah. Um, or a toasted cheese sandwich. Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the kimchi. The kimchi always with kimchi. <laughs> Best part of the podcast now is five fast questions. So the questions are in between number one and 20. It's the first thing that comes to your mind okay. is how you answer them. So I say one or 20. No, the number's between one and Good. 20. Yep, so you yep. choose a number yep. and then I give you the question and you yep. say the first thing. Okay. What number are we going with? 10. All right, number 10. If a movie was made about you, what actor is playing you? <laughs> He's oh. the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh. What's the guy from Top Gun? Oh, I was literally just going to say that. Um, Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. We'll give Tom Cruise a crack. <laughs> I don't like, not, not, uh, not the personal life of Tom Cruise, the yeah, actor Tom Cruise. The actor Cru- Tom Cruise. You imagine him in a, like, oh, as a chef? No. I can imagine him like riding a motorbike through the, <laughs> the Stanford. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's how you get to work. <laughs> With his jacket on. Yeah, don't forget the glasses. Yes. Next number. Eight. Okay, number eight is three things that make you happy. Family. Yeah. Good food. Yeah. And a fast Iron Man. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, next one. Uh, 15. And number 15 is favourite place in the world? The podium of an Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, the podium. Of an Iron Man. As, as, in a, as in a destination? Yeah. Uh, I would say Nice. And the Ooh. reason, because my wife and I went on our honeymoon there. So nice. For, and we loved Nice. Yeah. It was our favourite place. I agree. Yeah. I've been there and I did like yes. it too. Yeah, the food that's was excellent. a really nice place to go for a morning run along the beach. Right. Not yeah. on the beach because that's pebbles, but I right, mean yeah, like yeah. on the concrete. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. That was really nice along there. All right, next number. Uh, 20. All right, number 20, your biggest fear. Oh, bit eaten by a shark. Really? Oh, I, I don't like swimming in the sea. Yeah? At all. Is it, do you swim in West Lakes instead? I still swim in that little West Lakes. Yes, I do. Yeah. I, ne- I only swim in the sea when it's a race. <laughs> and I think the numbers are better for me that day. <laughs> yeah. But generally, no, I even swim at West Lakes 
thinking, thinking that comes in my mind that what has there ever been a shark in here? There must have been. Yeah. Yeah. No. no <laughs> don't I don't think I about that. Sharks. sharks and snakes. Yeah. Two things I don't like. Fair enough. All right. Last one. Uh, one. Okay. Number one. If you oh, what's your go-to song or artist to listen to? Michael Jackson. Oh, good. Have you got a like specific song that you like? No. No, just... I, I just I've always liked him, mm-hmm. uh, liked his music. I know again he's a bit, <laughs> uh, be crazy. Um, but I actually have a story. So I actually seen him live twice. Wow! And the first time when he came to Melbourne, I tried to get my friends to go with me, and no one would go, so I went by myself. Yeah. And I stood. I was actually at the front. Mm-hmm. I got there six hours before the concert started, <laughs> and I was standing because it, it was all jump in. Mm-hmm. And I stood there by myself, spoke to no one for six hours. <laughs> Didn't have a phone or anything. Yeah. Just stood there. Wow. Waiting for him. That was the best concert. Yeah. So just a, just a great musician. Do you feel like you enjoyed it more because you were there by yourself? I think so, yeah. 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 I think so. You just got to really just absorb it and not be interrupted by people. Yeah, yeah. And that was excellent. Yeah, nice. Well, thank you for coming oh, thank on you. the pod. I'll uh, plug your health food shop as well in thank the you. show notes. Thanks for that. And uh, hopefully you have a few podcast listeners come through. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. What an incredible episode that was with Jason. Very insightful about the nutrition side of racing and how that is really quite important. I think if you're around Adelaide, go and have a Sassadies health food shop, Food for Life. It's full of everything you could possibly need when it comes to health food or aiding your nutrition when it comes to racing or just, you know, in general being fit. So if you enjoyed this little podcast that we're making, please share it to your social media. Well, you know what? Just send it to a friend. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Have the best week and see you next Wednesday. Bye.